0: We're turning in God's Word tonight, please, to the Gospel of Luke, we're turning back to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 23. We spent some time there this morning as we gathered around the table, and we're going to spend some more time there this evening with the Gospel of Luke in chapter 23, please. And we're going to read just from the verse 39 uh, through to the verse 45. The verse 39 through to the verse 45. This is the word of the Lord that reads, And one of the malefactors which were hanged reeled in him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Of course, you can picture the scene there at Calvary. And there's the three crosses, Christ in the center cross. These two criminals hung on either side of the Savior. And they're called malefactors here in Scripture and one of them, that word reeled, just means they began swearing on him and cursing his name. And it says there in verse 39 that one of the malefactors which were there reeled on and swearing at him and saying, If you are Christ, see thyself and others. But the other, the one on the other side, the other answering rebuked him. Saying dost not thy fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing in And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And here's the second cry of the cross in our series, Crosswords, that we're considering. The Lord Jesus, he turns to this thief, and he says, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sick hour. and there was a darkness over all the earth until the night thought. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in we come again on another Lord's Day evening to visit the place called Calvary. And as we consider these final words that the Lord Jesus cried from the cross, of course we've been thinking about this under the title Crosswords. A couple of weeks ago we listened to the Savior's first cry when he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this evening we come to this second cry, found in verse 43, where he turns to this thief who has just said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Lord, he turns to this thief, and he says, Verily, or surely, I say unto thee, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, this evening as we come to our gathering, as a gospel preacher, I fail if I don't bring you to the cross of Calvary. And the testimony of this local church should always be, we preach Christ crucified. And as we visit Calvary again tonight, we mentioned in our first study that indeed it's the darkest place in all of history and it's the most mysterious place in all of history. It's the central place of love It's the only place where salvation is found. And we visit Calvary tonight where God's wrath was satisfied for all eternity. And there at Calvary they crucified the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, that man hanging on the middle cross, the one who didn't deserve to be there. There was the place called Calvary where the Saviour hung in these two thieves, one on either side, They were hanging there for crimes that they had been sentenced to for death. They deserved to be there on the cross. And then there were these malefactors, and they're hanging there on the cross, being punished and punished for their sin, hanging there because they deserved to be there, and what a dreadful condemnation it was. The Roman law proclaimed that the act of these malefactors was a crime. What they had done, it could have been stealing, it could have been murder, it could have been many things. We're not told. But these malefactors, they were evil men. They. they were men that deserved to be hanging on the cross. And the penalty for their crime was punishment by death. And they were hanging on the cross because the law required it. And there were these two men hanging by the Savior. They were vile people. Vile people. If they lived among us today, we wouldn't have wanted anything to do with them. They were men who lived in their sin. They were men who were made, that they made their living from sin. And they were the vilest of offenders. You know, quite often we sing, the vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus, a pardon in Satan. These men, they were thieves, robbers, stealing, murderers, vile men. But you know something? In this passage that we've read tonight, the whole gospel message can be found. Because it clearly shows us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and the worst of sinners. Here was a man who was ebbing towards eternity. And on that day at the scene at the cross, we're told that these three crosses, central cross, there is Christ dying in our place, dying in your place, dying in my place, the place I deserve to be, because he was taking the punishment for my sin, my wrongdoing. You see, I have offended a holy God, and so have you. And we're in great need of our Savior. And he was dying in your place, taking the punishment for your sin, bearing God's wrath for you, so that you can have a relationship with the Holy God, so that you might know eternal life. And here's these, with the great of the The scene unfolds at 9am, when the Lord Jesus Christ is nailed to the cross many people around there, they began to mock the Lord, and the thieves on either side of him, they joined in and they mocked and they cursed and they swore at the Lord Jesus, both of them. And the crowd around, they came in and they were hurling their abuse at the Lord. Everyone was involved in the blasphemy they led and orchestrated by the Jewish leaders. And the people around the scene of the cross, they all fall in line the soldiers fall in line, the thieves fall in line, and even though they're hanging on a cross, enduring the same suffering as the Lord Jesus, the Savior himself, they're suffering the same physically, even though they're being tortured, and this in this deadly, excruciating form of death and execution, they muster up the two things, muster up enough energy to hurt abuse, and to blaspheme the Savior. What a powerful moment this was. You know when that scene that's how infectious the hatred was for the Lord <laughs> Jesus Christ. They reel on the Lord, they swear at him, they curse him, they spit upon, it. they do all these things to my Savior, as He goes to die for my sin and yours. And simply what I want to do this evening is draw comparisons between these two things? You know, as we gathered around the table this morning, Joshua reminded us that these two things, believe it or not, were in a privileged position. Why was that? Because there was the speaker of the world hanging in between them. The one who could see their souls. I wonder what they did. want you to see the difference in their dying decision, kind to see the difference in their eternal destiny. Let's look at the contrast in their dying decision. The contrast in their dying decision. Here were two men hanging for the crimes that they had committed. Moments from eternity. And the question that needs to be asked of these two men at this moment is what will you do with Jesus? And that's the question I want you to ask your own heart tonight. What will you do with Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the standard of, the, of a holy God, but the Bible makes it clear that what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ is vitally important. What we do with the Lord Jesus in this life is important and it will determine our eternal destiny. There are two thieves you made a contrasting decision as he turned the ever closer to them. I want you to see that one rejected him. One rejected the Savior. As the unbelieving thief hung on the cross, he heard the cry. And the rulers and the soldiers, they questioned Christ's claim of being Messiah. In Luke 23 and verse 35 it says, And the people stood beholden. And the rulers also with him derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ the chosen of God. And the same goes on, and the soldiers, they also mocked him, coming to him, and they offered him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, see it thyself. I want you to notice the word they use there in verse 37. They say, If. If thou be the king of the Jews. See it thyself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God, if thou be the king of the Jews, and they use this word if so many times, and the unbelieving thief, he used this word if. In fact, there was above the head of the Lord Jesus the accusation of Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, but that word if suggests that they don't believe that. That faith knew that the Lord Jesus claimed to be. And let me suggest my dear friend sitting in the meeting tonight, or maybe who listens online, you may know exactly who the Lord Jesus claims to be. And that faith, he also knew that all around him, the people chose not to believe who Jesus was. And so when he opened his mouth to speak, He merely echoed the same word as everybody else around him. If. If you're Christ, See, if yourself and us. If you're Christ. That little word, if, is filled with doubt. It denies that the Savior is the Son of God. It denies Him as the Savior of man. It it denies His sinless nature. It denies everything the Bible says about the Lord Jesus. If you're Christ, He was Christ, and when it comes to the Lord Jesus, there's no room for else. There's no room for almost persuaded. Either you believe He is all that He claims to be, or you reject Him. And when this man on the cross used the word "if." He threw out everything that Jesus gave to be, and he reduced the Lord Jesus in his own mind to just another criminal dying on a cross. He rejected grace. And as a result of his rejection, he spent the last his last moments on earth ridiculing and swearing at the only one who could save his soul. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe I need to ask you the question again. What will you do with Jesus? This thief chose to reject him. You see, you might be here tonight, and let me tell you, the Gospel isn't a message that you can simply ignore. Nor is it one that you can listen to and think, well that's not for me. You know, it's well and good for all you folk into to Green Francis, it's great. I'm glad that you are you, Mother, but it's not for me. That's not how it works. You see, you can't be neutral. Because when this life is over, your response to the Gospel will decide your eternal destiny. You could attend here on Sunday evenings from time to time. You could attend here on Sunday evenings every week. You or you can faithfully listen online, and you can say, well, I believe that there really was a man called Jesus who was the son of God, but I don't want to commit my life to him. My prayer is that you won't reject the Savior like this be. You see, one criminal rejected him, and they scorned him, but the other received him. And that criminal who received him was Calvary's first convert. The first person who put their trust in the finished work of Calvary was there hanging on the cross beside the Savior. You see, one rejected him and one received him. While one thief was listening to the crowd and choosing to reject the Savior, the other thief, who started the day hearing the Savior and swearing at the Lord Jesus, came in full silent. And The other faith he continues to hurt his abuse and this man stops, and something has happened to this other thief, and the hours have passed in the cross. And here, a man who was devoted to a robbery, who was a wicked criminal, has a massive transformation. His taunting goes silent, and while his body suffers the horrible trauma and agony of a crucifixion, he tries to deal with the worst imaginable pain that's searing through his body, but during that moment, his mind becomes crystal clear. With a clarity and perception of reality and truth that he's never experienced in his life. And here we see his powerful confession. Something had happened. And all of a sudden he turned to his friend who rebuked the saviour and he rebuked him and he said, what do you do? He turns to his friend and he says, dost thou not fear God? Do you not fear God? And while the other one hurls his ex, if your Christ save us,
1: the other one says to him, do you not fear God? Do you not
0: see what's happening here? And the other heard the words of the Savior a few moments before as he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In this he started out as the enemy of the Lord Jesus that day. He along with many others had hurled the verbal abuse, but then that thief realized as his life was slipping away, and as eternity had ever closer to him, earth and this world were receiving. Eternity was booming. Thoughts turned to his eternal destination. Maybe the thief remembered something he'd been taught from Scripture and we aren't told. But I want to tell you something, all of a sudden, fear God. You know, the Bible tells me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God was what was important. You know, people say they believe in God. And people who say they believe in God often give little or no praise to Him. But fear in God? Fear in God means you give weight to Him in your decisions, that you give weight to Him in your priorities. Matthew, has been speaking about that to the boys and girls tonight. Pleasing Him becomes your first consideration and your greatest joy. And the fear of God being absent in this, this man's life And all of a sudden, on the cross, he realized it. And as the other victim reeled on the Savior, this other man stops him and says, Don't you fear God? We are receiving the just reward for what we've done. We deserve to be here. But then he comes to the realization and he turns and he looks at the Lord Jesus and he says, This man has done nothing in this. He's perfect. He doesn't deserve to be there like us. You see, he looked at the Lord Jesus that day and he saw him as sinless. He looked at the Savior and he came to the conclusion reached by Judas Iscariot, by Pontius Pilate, by Pilate's wife, and by King Herod. I find no fault in him, they said. They realized that the Savior was sinless, that he had never done anything wrong, he was perfect. But yet the Savior was there for you in your place. And this he so Christ is the sinless Son of God, and you now must come to that place as well, because only a sinless, sinless Savior can take away your sins. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read these words. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The thief recognized that the Lord was sinless, and therefore undeserving of being on the cross. But he also realized that his only hope was in the Lord Jesus. As not only did he recognize that Christ was sinless, he recognized that Christ was the Savior. And while the other thief was looking for someone to save his skin, the thief realized he needed someone to see his soul. This man was able to see beyond the moment, and he understood that the Lord Jesus alone was his only hope for salvation. And as soon as he looked at the Lord Jesus by faith, he was eternally saved. He was Calvary's first convert. By the way, that's the same place that you need to arrive to as well. With the Lord Jesus, he isn't just a way to heaven. The Lord Jesus himself said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to heaven. You know, sometimes you say with the boys and girls, one way God said to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way. One way to reach those pearly mansions. Jesus is the only way. No other way. No other way. No other way to go. One way. God said to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way, a simple truth, missed by so many in our world. The Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Is that what you believe?
1: Nothing else, no one
0: else can save your soul. Nothing else, no one else will make you fit for heaven. He must be seen as savior before salvation can come. Just before his 93rd birthday. The late Billy Green was invited to lunch by the leaders in Charlotte, initially he hesitated as he was struggling with Parkinson's disease, however he agreed to go, and while there he told the following story to those who were gathered, he said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist. Einstein was travelling on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching the tickets. And when he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his jacket pocket, but he couldn't find his ticket. And he reached into his trouser pocket, and there was no ticket. And he checked his briefcase, and everywhere he looked, he looked around the floor, and he couldn't find his ticket. And the conductor turned to Mr. Einstein, and said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are, and I'm sure you bought a ticket, don't worry about it. So the conductor, he continued down the alley, punching pickets. And as he was about to leave the carriage, he noticed the great Dr. Einstein going on his hands and knees, looking under the seat for his picket. And the conductor returned up the train towards him and he said, Don't worry, I know who you are. You don't need to worry about it. Einstein looked up at him and said, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. The dying faith, the dying faith, who trusted in Christ, no no, knew where he was going. For Christ said to him in verse 43, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That <laughs> faith was going to heaven, because he placed his trust in the finished work at Are you trusting in the finished work at Do you know your destination? We see the contrast in their dying decision, but we also see the contrast in their eternal destiny. We see the contrast in their eternal destination. The thief realized that fearing God was the most important thing, and he took the step of faith, and he came to the Lord as he was, and he says, Lord, remember me when I come into stand to thy kingdom. And the Lord says to him today, you'll be with me in paradise. He was no longer the enemy of the Lord Jesus. He was a friend. And he placed his trust in the Lord Jesus. You know, you might feel like you've got everything together today. You might think that you've got all the money you need and all the comfort you need, and you've got the family, you've got the car you want, you've got the house you want. Maybe you think everything's just falling into place in your life. So the Lord Jesus says of someone like you, he says you could gain the whole world, everything that you want of something, yet lose your own soul. And that's a bad choice. The Lord said, what shall a profit man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You could be rich tonight. Or maybe you desire to be rich tonight. Imagine if you had all the money in the world that you wanted. Or all the drink in the world that you wanted. Or all the popularity, all the fame, all the sporting achievements in the world. All the business transactions that you want in the world. Could you imagine it? maybe all the intellect in the world, the most clever person, and yet the Lord Jesus says, if you have all of it, even all of it put together, he says it's useless. It's futile. You cannot hold up and lose your soul. You're nothing. But the faith as his life ends away, ask Christ to remember him. Couple minutes before cursing Christ, in an unredemptive state, the man cries for repentance. And you know, it's just wonderful to know that that faith today is in heaven. That there, in his final moments, he placed his trust in Christ. <clears throat> you know, it was instant. <laughs> the Lord Jesus, he said, Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was instant. It was definite. Because the Lord Jesus said, you shall, not you might be. He didn't say, maybe we'll have to go up there to the courts of God and we'll open up the books and we'll lay up one side of the graph against the other, your good deeds versus your bad deeds. And if one outweighs the other, well, you just might get in. No, the Lord Jesus says, you shall be with me in paradise. There was no doubt you shall be with me in paradise. This man wasn't saved by works. He was saved purely through the power of grace alone. And let me tell you, don't count on anything to get you in in the last minute. You may never see a deathbed. <coughs> the time to come to the Lord Jesus is now. This day, repent of the sin today in heaven. But what of the other things? He continued to curse and swear and not this him. And today he's in a lost eternity in hell. You see, the last thing we read of that thief who rejected Jesus is found in John chapter 19, verse 32, when the Roman soldiers arrived to break his legs. The last thing he felt in this world was the crushing blow of a hammer against his shins. He felt the bones, his bones shatter, and he was no longer able to push up to get a breath of air. And it would have been more than a, no more than a few short minutes and this man would have entered a Christless and hopeless eternity. There's no doubt that this man may have missed tonight, he's in the And the last thing he experienced here was pain, rejection, and sorrow. And the first thing he experienced when he left this world was far worse than that. He experienced more pain, the endless torments of hell, and the eternal separation from God forever. He had a hopeless destiny. And don't let that happen to you.
1: You don't have to die within Christ
0: and perish in hell. You can be saved. Christ has done everything that needs to be done for you. You can spend eternity in heaven with Him forever. But it all depends on what you do with Christ. The question comes, which one of these men are you like? All of us in this room can relate to one or the other. You know about the Savior. You've heard about the Savior from preachers, from friends, from work colleagues, but either you reject the Lord Jesus, or you accept him as your Savior. He can't be neutral. I wonder if you repented of your sin and put your trust in Christ. Then, when you reach the end of this life, all that will matter is this what did you do with Jesus? Once they decided to give their life to Christ, one decided to reject Him. One today is in heaven. One today is in hell. God forbid that anybody here would spend the lost eternity in hell. The thief was Calvary's first convert. But let me tell you that someday the last soul will be saved. And it will be Calvary's last convert. My friends and I don't go to the lost eternity. Be saved. Come to Christ. Don't give that until you're forever to leave.